There is not a one-size-fits-all solution to leadership. Discover your inspiration to lead by hearing from those who are in the trenches each day, leading themselves and leading others. We will learn about their unique leadership style and identify the shared qualities between those who do it tremendously well. Welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. All right, all right, all right. The Lead with Empower podcast is back. February 2023 episode. We have Ron Davis, Ops Manager of Empower Leadership, Dan Jascott, General Manager of Empower Leadership. We've got an awesome set of topics. Excited to share some of the info about what's been going on with our programming over the the about month and week of 2023. Get into a little bit of uh, leadership content beyond that as well. So before we start, though, Ron, how the heck is it going? How is it going? Uh, life's great. I can't complain. It's not like anyone would listen anyway. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> life is great. Life is great. A lot of um, team building, a lot of camaraderies that I've seen throughout the week, a lot of engagement, all those things that we look for uh, in leaders. I saw that in some of the programs that we had this week. So uh, I was really satisfied. Awesome. Great to hear. Great to hear. And uh, to, to, to piggyback on your little joke about... Uh, can complain but nobody's listening it's always good to be a problem solver not just the problem identifier baby (laughs) (laughs) absolutely absolutely Um, so hey you touched on some of the big programs that we had and we're going to really focus in this episode on um the the after school enrichment after school empowerment programming that we've been doing a lot of over the course of the school year 2022 2023 school year before we do though we had an awesome experience on this past friday with a group of sixth and fifth graders from the Gideon Wells School in Glastonbury. It's their student council group. And we had them from 9 a.m. until about 2 p.m. when the day ended. Um, man, long day, but it felt great, re-energized at the end of the day, despite it like it being like four degrees outside. <laughs> it, it was an awesome Friday program, man. What a great way to uh, finish the week. Absolutely. It's great seeing all the smiling faces, individuals that know one another, um, building each other up both professionally and um, personally. Um, I've seen uh, a group of individuals that, you know, cared, that they wanted to do their part. And I, and I wish I could see that in a lot of other people, not just our groups. Yeah, it's impressive for a group of fifth and sixth graders. And what I loved about that program, and this is going to be our segue into the after school programs, is we had the pleasure of working with this uh, student council group from Gideon Wells back in the fall. It was September, October, um, and it was more of a general helping them get to know one another, kind of building some foundational skills. And then we had this really intense program uh, uh, about five months into their school year in February that was really targeting on helping them find the courage to make good decisions, great decisions, the right decisions in school, and really with this kind of uh, theme of preventing bullying or minimizing the bullying that might take place at a typical uh, fifth, sixth grade school setting. And the the students were awesome. They did a tremendous job. And it was great to see them go from not really interacting and working together in the fall to really coming together. As you said, we had one of the most hyped versions of Stepping Stones with that group on Friday, just like so much energy, so much enthusiasm, so much positivity, so much teamwork happening in that one moment there. Absolutely. And I think that um, the cool thing as well was you saw that confidence 
Yep. So those individuals more confident about dressing things. And that's what we do uh, for those bully destroyers. As, as we call <laughs> I like it. Bully uh, destroyers, yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. Those individuals that, uh, that stand up and, you know, to 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 face adversity and, uh, and run towards friction points. Uh, those are the individuals that I saw that day in regards to just their willingness to go well beyond their comfort zone and address issues. Agree. Agree. Well, hey, we're going to um, a great group on Friday. Shout out to. Um, to the teachers of that, uh, the teacher leaders of that student council group, because it 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 was great to know that their experiences with us weren't just one day field trips. They were actually bringing that content, bringing that camaraderie, bringing that problem solving mentality into their day to day operation as a student council group, and that really kind of I think stokes my fire, uh, you know, as far as like you know really buying into these types of programs. Um, but transitioning. Since really mid-September, you and I have worked together on, I couldn't even tell you how many of these after-school programs, but we do pretty much every Wednesday, we make a trip down to Bailey Middle School in West Haven, Right, great group of students, and we've seen different cycles of students come in since the start of the school year, and then generally every Thursday, we go up north to East Windsor Middle School to work with another awesome group of students. Um, Now... It's going to take us both a little while because we're both a little older. It's been years <laughs> since we've been in the fifth, sixth, seventh grade mindset. Um, but we were laughing about this on the ride back. Like if someone said to you, like, Ron, you got to participate in this after school program. Wouldn't necessarily give you the warm and fuzzies. Uh, first thing I think about was what did I do wrong? <laughs> Am I slow or uh, what did I do that I need attention um, in the after school program? That's what I would have thought initially. So like thinking like, hey, I, I messed up behaviorally or I'm really struggling with an academic class, like, like some negative some, de- some negative stimulus. Yeah, yeah, some negative connotation uh, stigmatize you. Uh, so, something's bad. Something's off. You know, fortunate. And, and again, for me, I, I, you know, I, had to, I had to play pretty close to the vest with behavior. Um, <laughs> And it was involved in a lot, you know, uh, sports, you know, especially at the high school level. So, you know, wasn't a lot of opportunities to be part of like these enrichment programs. And I don't even know how much of it, like an after school enrichment program. I don't even know if that was a thing back in like the late eighties, early nineties. And if it was, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like texted or emailed to us. Cause that wasn't a thing back then. Well, does the after school detention count? <laughs> a different type of enrichment. <laughs> um, but what we're finding, correct me if I'm wrong. We've had, we're in the middle of our third of five, five-week sessions in West Haven. We're at right. the tail end of our second of three sessions at East Windsor Middle School. And what we're finding, it's it's not that. Like, these students that we've been working with aren't, you know, coming to us because, you know, they're an absolute disruption in class. You know, they can't keep up, keep, uh, keep up academically. Um they're coming because they, I, I, it's been told to like, they want to, they want to be part of like this social engagement. Talk, talk a little bit, Ron, like you be, and you've been in the lead facilitator role for a lot of these programs. What, how is it that like, when you show up to one of these programs where it's, it's kids that actually like sign up to be part of an experience, like what's that do to you as a facilitator, as a leader of that set of experiences? Yeah, Let, let me say this first of all, then. So uh, we go into one of the, uh, one of the schools, I think it was, East Windsor, and I saw two students go by. And that weren't in the group. Of, that weren't in the current again? group. They were not in the current group. They were not in the current group. 
and they saw uh, the activities that was going on and they saw how these students were, you know, getting out to one another, encouraging one another, building that synergy, all those things that we teach. And, and a lot of individuals think it's like, it's not real. Some, some you know, it's crazy. So the two students go to uh, one another. They said, I want to be in that program. And the other girl looked at it and said, no, you don't deserve to be in that program. You have to earn that. And, it threw, and, I, and I was like, wow. Because what she saw was individuals in there that was doing the right things. Yep. Um, that was willing to sit there and um, push themselves to that to the point um, where they could take lead roles. Yep. Um, so, so these after-school programs um, that we've been to, what it done for me and what it showed me is that uh, individuals can't be placed in a box. A certain word, a certain um, thing can be placed in a box, and that box is negative. Yep. Uh, and, and and those 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 two students that. I listened to to have that conversation, just capture that. It made me realize um, that what we were doing and what the students feel like was being done for them was something that, that it wasn't anything negative. Yep. And that's, I, I think uh, two of the things that I, that always stick out to me too. One, I th on that same day, as we were setting up, you know, it might've been two different students, but it was, Hey, Mr. Ron, how's it going? What? Hey, Mr. Dan, how's it going? So like, there's a, there's a connection that, that is developed over, the course of multiple programs, um, which is really cool. It's like for a student who we only see maybe five or six times a year for like an hour and a half at a time for, you know, it's nice. Like when they come by and seek you out to say hello, you're like, all right, that was probably a little bit of a positive impact right there. Like that, that could be that little extra motivation at the end of the day for this current group that we're working in front of. Um, and that happened, that happened that same day. I saw a bunch of kids go by like, Mr. Ron, what's up? How's it going? Um, the other thing that's cool with these after school programs, and it's a little bit different from like the one day, maybe three or four hour experiences, we really do get to see individuals and the group grow from session one, where they're not really interacting with one another, they're staying in their little pocket of friends they don't want to break free from that little comfort bubble of you know the people that i know and you know we look at all right well we know that going into program number one so program number one is going to be all about getting out of your social comfort zone building some connections with people that you don't know and we really get to see a group go from kind of this initial concept of coming together finding their spot in the group you know, maybe experiencing some power struggles, some conflict. Um, but we do get to see a group develop over the course of these multiple sessions. How does that, um, you know, from from a, a facilitator standpoint, how does that impact how you pick and design? Hey, it's week two. These are the activities we're doing, and this is why we're doing them. Like, how does that impact the, the, those decisions that you have to make as a programmer, as a facilitator, Ron? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, we got to start with why. And every week that we go to a program, um, the first thing that we do with, um, with participants is ask them, I mean, well, teach them the levels of leadership, yep. three levels of leadership that we talk about. Um, level one, accountability of self. Level two, accountability of others. And then you can get to um, level three in regards to building synergy, um, team building, and everything like that. So that's our first day. And once they understand that and they tell me that they got it, you know, some of them are young, they, they tell me that they got it. They don't, and, and I got a strong North Carolina accent, North Carolinian accent. Um, they may not get it the first or second time. Um, but with that being said, so once they can show me that they can hold themselves accountable, that's when we throw in a game by in plain sight where it's just you. It's yep. just you dealing with you, overcoming your fears and, and your frustrations with yourself. 
And then once they show me that they can get past level one and or they're ready to receive level two, then that's how we move up to level two. And when we talk about level th level three, I talked to the participant before I even go into the next um, next week that are we ready to move forward? Yeah. Are, are we willing to show all of us collectively those things that we need to um, to do in level one and two to be able to do that team building in three without falling back on you know not even holding yourself accountable? Yeah. But uh, but once we got that, and I know that you know we can build an activity that's going to either elevate them past level one or get them to level one then we move forward to that, that additional level. But again, that's them demonstrating those things to me. And oftentimes it may not be the first or second try, maybe the third try, but, uh, but again, for each individual, we reach at a different time and speed and phase of their life. Absolutely. And, th and then we also, you know, considering like, you know, um, if we're working with a group of students, say 20, 20 middle school students, and we're going to see them five times, right. right? We know in session one, we can't come out swinging with that in plain sight, which is a really heavy individual problem solving. It could be really uncomfortable for participants at times. We're also not putting them in that really, really, really complex level three team building initiative, like, you know, say the muse, which is right. another challenge that there's physical elements to it. There's also this like, holy smokes, how do we solve this problem? So we really look back and, um, you know, part of our, our training for our facilitators is, is the, the stages of group development and how do we identify where a group or anticipate where a group is going to be. And then how do we build the experience to match what the group's needs are? And um, I believe uh, uh, in the sixties, a gentleman, Bruce Tuckman um, did research on mm. the stages of group development. And there were four stages in his initial study and it was forming so the idea of the group coming together, uh, storming when there might be a little bit of conflict in the group and, you know, Ron's trying to find his spot in the team. I'm trying to find my spot in the team. Right. There might be a little bit of a power struggle. And then we move on to the norming stage, which is where everybody kind of accepts and feels really confident and comfortable and ready to contribute in their role. So the power struggle is over and everybody's kind of firing and ready to accept uh, um yeah, uh, their position in the group. And then the performing stage is where everybody's firing and on all, on all cylinders. I'm in the perfect role based on my strengths and you're in the perfect role based on your strengths and we're covering each other's weaknesses. And so you look at Tuckman stages of, of development and that's really when you design an experience, whether it's a one day situation or, or an after school program where there's multiple sessions, you know, day one, they're in the forming stage. These people, you know, these students don't know who they are. Their social barrier is as thick as it could possibly be. Right. So how do we put together some activities? So in your opinion, right, looking at, you know, based on your experiences with us, what's a um, your favorite activity to say, hey, I'm working with a group that uh, I know they're coming together for the first time. You know, I want to, you know, slowly chip away at that social barrier that they might have up uh, when, when they when they arrive to a program like this. Um. I would just say my, my most difficult of times is, is just the whole forming phase. Yeah. Um, tr trying to get a group that uh, individuals that have come together and, and look past their own selfish uh, initiatives and things like that. Um, looking at some of the uh, the behaviors, I, I, again, it's, I want them to be polite. I want them to be attentive. Um, I want, I, but I know they're going to form a clique. Yep. 
Yep. How, how do I separate them from my best friend or certain stuff like that without totally disrupting that? Um, also seen it where they're really excited in yep. regards to feelings of, of that whole forming phase and, and probably uh, emotionally upset uh, when I when I put them in the wrong group and stuff like that. Yeah, so like so, you'll see that like come up, like you'll split up, you know, everybody partner up and then you split up right. the pairs and like, oh my goodness, I'm not working with my best friend. How do I handle it? But that, that's, the, that's the question I have for you, Dan, when we talk, uh, talked about uh, talking stages of development. Um, I know they just recently added a fifth phase and I'm talking uh, and I'm more talking about just a, a joining phase knowing there's probably time to break the team up or you got what you wanted from that team and how do you move forward? Um, I mean, what are your thoughts? Have you ever had to um, decide, you know what, I, I formed these two groups of teams, you know what, it's probably better to remove this individual or just blow the whole team up. Uh, yeah. Not to, um, aggravate anyway. It's a, it's a, it's always, and it's, and there's no, before I answer, and there's no blueprint. There's no like one way, here's the solution. It's, it's a lot of feel thing. And it's really, I think being aware of um, where the group is at and uh, we're going back to Tuckman, it's not a linear, like you start and then you're through the, the, the forming phase and then you're automatically moving on it. it you, a group will bounce back and forth depending on the conditions that they're, they're put in. Right. So um, we might see a group that's like super high performing for, for three out of the first three sessions in the fourth session, we up the intensity, we get that water boiling even more. And you see them going back from, Hey, they were really performing. Now they're storming again. Now they're starting to be some conflict and they're starting to be unsure of where they fit in. So I think, you know, as a, as a facilitator, it's always important to one, know or anticipate where the group is at Two, introduce some sort of situation where it forces them back into moments of struggle and conflict, because the only way you get better is by experiencing those, those struggles or conflict, uh, uh, that struggle or that conflict. And, you know, you've heard me say it before, like, Hey, get the water boiling, but don't let it boil over. Right. So then it's really important to like, all right, I know this group thinks they've solved all the world's problems because they, they accomplished our, kind of introductory problem solving initiatives they're feeling confident let's and we we had this instance with the the student council where well with the traffic jam activity they were tired it was right before lunch they were frustrated because they hadn't solved the problem yet and some people did they weren't able to communicate it effectively and it was like they went from like this group that was unbelievable, crushing everything back into this storming phase where it was like, oh, we can't do anything. You, you know, stop talking. We're yelling over all this conflict. And, right. you know, I, I, at the time, in that instance, I felt it was important. And knowing that after lunch break, we had them for another two and a half hours. Hey, we're going to we're going to keep this going. We're going to get to the finish line of this activity and it's not going to be easy. But let's come together as a team and handle that adversity. So now. We do it. We get through it. We're more confident in the real world. Next time they're going to be that, 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 that student council group is going to be doing a public service and announcement um, in, in front of their entire school about preventing bullying and standing up to doing what's right and making the hard, tough decision, but it's the right decision. And Hey, if those kids can handle the conflicts that we put in front of them with traffic jam or any other activity, I feel a little bit more confident that they're gonna they're gonna be confident to handle the real conflict in the real world when it happens. It, it goes right along to my my thoughts in regards to um, I think the book was um, by uh, Lee Ellis. I'm I'm pretty sure it was Lee Ellis um, leading with honor, 
And he said that um, leadership is often caught, not taught. And, 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 yeah, and, that's, and that's what we get out of individuals um, like that, the, 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 those participants that we just had. Um, individuals that are doing the right thing when nobody's looking. Um, they're not looking around to sit there and you know try to get over or, or maneuver through, through a situation. Um, the group of individuals that we had the honor of uh, facilitating uh, took a stand on that that said that, you know what? When something is wrong, we're going to say and we're going to do. And that, and that defines character. That defines who you are. You're a better person for the um, for showing initiative, showing that you care, showing some kind of humanity um, that individuals tend to not have nowadays. But um, I, your thoughts on it, because I, your, your perspective may be totally different in regards, because some people um, like stepping up in what I call eye service, which I uh, just do it because somebody's looking. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I think I was going to ask you, like, I agree with you. I think in a lot of instances, whether it's uh, in a, in a school setting on an athletic team um, in, or in a, in a, in an extracurricular uh, club that you're involved in, even in the corporate setting or the college university setting, like sometimes the, the development of leadership is not intentional. Mm-hmm. It is more of, Oh, Hey Ron, you did a nice job with that. Great. You know, great. Uh, like when you, when you say leadership is typically caught, more than taught like oh you caught that one isolated moment where that person did something that was you know effective or exceptional leadership as opposed to hey what are the what are the skills what's the toolkit right we can help this athlete or this student or this uh new team member to our company what is this toolkit that we can provide them with that we can teach them that we'll catch it all the time. Like we'll be catching effective leadership all the time, not just in an isolated moment. So I guess in your mind, how does a leader, right? How does, because, and you say this all the time, our responsibility is to develop new leaders, right? Right, right. absolutely. So number one responsibility, how do we do that then? Not by just seeking out the moment where, oh, so nice of you to sit next to so-and-so when they weren't, because that's just catching it not right. teaching it. What what are, what is a, a bit of advice that you might have for somebody to say, hey, here's how you can, you know, make leadership more intentional, make positive leadership more intentional, not just something that you like high five a kid about, you know, at the end of a program. Right. I, you know, it's funny because I think about so many things. My, my mind just blows up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when we talk, when we talk about uh, leadership being uh, often caught, not, uh, not taught, it's not always positive. You, yep. you have negative actions that individuals say, you know what? I'm not going to lead in that way. Yep. I'm not going to do those things. Uh, even if, even in your mind, you're thinking that you're doing the right things. It may not be the right things or not in line with everybody else's thoughts. So that, I want to point that out. When leadership is caught, it may be negatively uh, native, uh, negative attributes as well as positive attributes. Um, I, uh, when we did this uh, the recent program, and I'm not going to say no names because I, you know, I've swayed. Yeah. <laughs> One of the first times I seen, I asked a group, I said, who wants to be a leader um, with the student council? So who, who wants to be a leader for this activity? First time that I ever seen it uh, through my year of being in the power that everybody raised their hand. And it's, that's not, that's, that is unique. And what I mean by that, so often we get in, uh, we put individuals in groups and we say, who wants to be the leader? And this individual run out, you see it will run out. And then he'll look at you and say, how do you play the game? Yeah. <laughs> Just explained it. <laughs> just, just, but you want to lead your whole, you want people to follow you, 
when you don't want, you don't know, the, you don't know the game. So therefore you can't develop a plan. Yeah. Uh, you can't develop a course, course of action for you to execute uh, for you or your team. So who would want to follow you, Dan? That's the question. It's I a ask. tough, tough sell. Right. So <laughs> that's when I ask most often ask individuals, I said, as you've been the leader, where do you place yourself in the formation? Are you in the front? Are you in the back? Are you in the rear? Um, but the most, I mean, what I try to get individuals to quickly understand is that it's wherever the friction point is. That's where you want to place yourself. Or how can you better your team? By what do you need to do to place yourself uh, amongst your teams uh, to make them and yourself better? Yeah, I love it. And I, I think that's, um, you know, identifying the 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 friction point or the critical point, whatever it might be, um, right. is is a great spot. But I think also when you when you look at teaching leadership, I think it's important to teach like, hey, you don't need to always be the one with the loudest voice calling the shots to be considered a leader, right? A leader might be the quiet one that is just every single time, reliable, dependable, doing what they're supposed to do, when they're supposed to do it, how they're supposed to do it. And that's their leadership contribution to that team that they're in is, you know what? I'm going to be the most dependent. You're never going to have to question if I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be on time. Like I'm going to be that dependable clockwork individual. Um, I might need a mouthpiece, right? I might need somebody that has that, maybe that juice, that excitement, that energy, that enthusiasm to grab attention. Um, but my, my, my kind of role in our team is going to be this. And, and, you know, so just teaching, uh, you know, students or, or athletes or employees, whatever it might be is, you know, leadership's not volume. I'm not just going to look for the person who's loud and who can, you know, get everybody to stop talking for a second, because it's really what happens after that moment when you have everybody's attention, that's defining like how, how effectively you are going to be able to lead the group in that instance. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's just like a conversation that, um, that you had. And I heard you talk to a group of participants. Um, you don't have, uh, let me, let me say this correctly because I don't I don't I want to speak out because I know how you're gonna call me out if I don't <laughs> if I don't say it the right way. Um a follower, I mean a, a leader can reduce their role to be a, a great follower. Yep. But a follow it's rare that you see a follower that can uh, up their role and serve the role of a leader without listening, understanding. We say it so often, how can I get you want me to empower you? How do I give you the how do I give you the keys to the car if I never even taught you how to drive it? Yep. So so it goes back to just, you know, as a leader, some of the best leaders um ever, some of the best leaders I ever followed were those individuals that knew their lane, knew that what they were uh, the subject matter expert in and and and, and could say, you know what, I'm a, I'm not taking this on the chin, but I'm willing to sit there and say, you know what, you're the, the best person for this job, yep. or for this this event or this phase, uh, move forward. And then I, I'm gonna back you. As much as possible, um, but you can't see that flip where a follower paying no is not paying no attention, have no guidance, no direction, just want to um, wing it, cannot be elevated to that position of that leadership role. Yeah, I think, and it's a difficult journey to to, to make that jump. And I, I think what you brought up is a great point right there. And this is something I was, um, you know, when I first started doing this stuff as a as a college student, I took a class with uh, uh, Dr. Ted France, who is. Um, He's he's the man. This is the guy that turned me on to doing this stuff. Um, he's the one guy that got me working as a college student um, with him um, when he would do some team building facilitation on the side as a as a young professor. Um, but he always uh, um, this idea of active leadership. So you're more when, when everybody thinks leader, 
well, not everybody. That's a blanket statement. When, when people commonly think about leadership, they think of like that presence, right? That command that like you walk into the room and you have the group, right? Whether it's two people or a hundred people, it doesn't matter that like when people, when you speak, people like drop it, their eyes and ears are on you no matter what. That's what we, that what Dr. France introduced to me and, and what I've tried to pass along is that's active leadership right? You're actively that vocal person, that person that's really rallying the troops, getting everybody organized, calling the shots, you know, the captain of the ship, as you might say. Right. Then there's passive leadership. Passive leadership is something that most people don't think about. It is the role player. Right. You know what? Right. Ron is the captain right now. I don't have the right answer, but it sounds like he does. He seems pretty darn confident. You know what? I'm going to shut up and I'm going to do my job to the best of my ability. And that's going to be my contribution. I'm going to be engaged, right? I'm going to be, you know, paying attention to what's going on when we have to stop and reevaluate. I'm going to be involved in those conversations, but I'm not going to cause conflict by just out trying to out scream Ron for right. the sake of some ego right. situation. I'm going to be a hell of a role player and that's going to be my con contribution. And that is a leadership contribution. Now what you brought up is follower. Followership to me, and again, I, I credit Dr. Ted France for for introducing these these three concepts: active, passive, and followership. Followership to me is the person that's not engaged, is mm. the dead weight, is the person that, damn it, Ron's doing his part, I'm doing my part, and now we got to carry this third, you know, third and fourth person's part, and um, that those that that's that's a tough jump to go from a disengaged follower who's probably at the, you know, to simplify is making things harder on everybody else, right? right to make right. that jump to a positive leader is, is tough and it requires teaching and coaching and mentorship. Um, I do see people successfully go from active leadership to passive leader, passive leader to active. But I will also share that I think some of the biggest challenges we see with high performing groups, a student mm -hmm. council group, a group of college uh, uh, captains of their athletic teams, a group mm -hmm. of student government leaders. And these are all programs that we've worked over the past 12 months together. Some of the, sometimes the challenge is no one is willing to step back from their active leadership position and be that good passive leader, that good role player. Thoughts right. on <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got to throw all these people out. Uh, Gladwell, um, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book, Blink, and he talked about command presence. And it, 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 it used to you know, upset me because I knew it was true. If you have a gentleman, you know, it, it could have my same face, same build, and uh, make him 6'4", by his 5'7". He automatically, he, he or she or they automatically has command presence. Yep. They they control the room. All they have to do is just be quiet. Then you have, you know, the five seven gentleman. Or or I was, yeah, five, I was, I was gonna give six, you five eight, five eight. Uh, 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 you know, yeah. <laughs> I've been my height has increased as I age. Yeah, same here. Uh, <laughs> five five nine air quotes. <laughs> um that they get in trouble then because the thing about it is they tend to overcompensate. Uh, the color Napoleonic complex, whereas you do things uh, to to grab that 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 leadership role or or put yourself out there, you're not ready for it. Yeah. And so often we'll see that the smallest or the youngest participant that will want to jump in that role because they know they have it, 
but they're not ready for it because they haven't been doing the things to prepare themselves to take that role. So when they get into that position, they're already behind the power curve because they're starting to get in their own way. Um, they don't have all the facts and, and what what's required to lead both effectively and efficiently. Um, that's that's my thoughts on it. Um, but also too, I've seen individuals that come into a room and it's like, that that's it. Like, I'm gonna stick with that. I don't know where it's leading me, <laughs> but I'm gonna stick with that. The command and presence is strong. Those social levels, that's when you, that's when you develop those social levels, right? What our group think, whereas, and we see it so often. This is the tallest person. This is the most popular one. And you've seen this, Dan. I want you to talk about this. This is the most popular one. This is who I'm gonna follow, and I'm not gonna do anything else. Yep. And that yeah, no, that, that that's so common with student groups is um is the loudest, biggest, most athletic student by default is gifted the position of leadership and you're right it's like you're explaining the instructions and that's like the one student who's not not paying attention to a darn thing like chasing the bees or the leaves or whatever it is it's like, ah! well, think it. and then mind you there's three other students who don't have the command presence for whatever reason don't have the the stature or even maybe the social um capital with the rest of the group those three people are over there they listen to everything. They ask like three great, great questions and <laughs> they have the right answer. They have the exact step-by-step, -step, like they solved the Nobody problem. Listened. Nobody's listening. <laughs> so that, which is a great, great segue. Like how do you transition, right? If, if, if we've defined leadership as the main priority is to develop new leaders. So you're right. talking to your teachers, your coaches, your captains, your student council leaders, your managers in the corporate world, your student government leaders in, in the college university setting, anybody that's in a position of leadership, right? How do we catch it? Uh, how do we teach it, not catch it, right? So that's when you're starting to look at, you know, in that instance of the group of students who default go to the leadership aura of the best athlete in the school or whatever it is, and right. just steamroll over these three or four students who are quietly just plotting the perfect solution to right. said problem. Um, you know, I think as a leader, it's important to, to be aware of that dynamic. It goes back to going back to Tuckman stages of group development. If you can estimate anticipate and even I, I i i'm always cautious about assuming things but you mm -hmm. have to as a leader you have to assume with your your a full wide lens like all right this is the first time this group is coming together i'm going to assume that they're going to be in the forming stage that they're not going to be comfortable getting out of their social norms they're not going to be comfortable sharing anything more than maybe like their name and what grade they're in right right uh or where they're from or whatever it might be um and then it's my job as the leader to provide experiences that break away from that um forming stage it's hey let's do an icebreaker that starts off with everybody saying something simple about themselves name and how old they are and by the end of it they're sharing maybe their biggest fear or something that they're really confident in, or you know, whatever it might, or someone that they trust and why. Um, I look at the the handshake mixer, which is one of our staple activities. Everybody partner up. Well, everybody's gonna go to number one on their friend list and they're gonna do a boring basic handshake. 
by the eighth partner of the game, everybody's like, I don't even know where I am on my friend list. And I have to do a, a hip bump slash do do with this stranger. Oh my. But then you look around like, but no one's just, no one's watching me. I'm not being singled out. Everybody's doing it. And that's, you know, how you chip away at the, the, the comfort level in the forming stage Um, in the, if a group is in that norming performing stage, it's time to up the intensity, right? It's time to provide them uh, with a, with a scenario or a situation that is going to turn up the temperature, boil the water a little bit more complex initiative. Let's get them back into this environment where they're struggling. They're, 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 there's conflict. There's people battling for leadership position because I think I have the right idea and someone else thinks they have the right idea and then coach them through how to manage that conflict. That's how you teach and not right. catch leadership, right. right? Provide the proper structure and the proper experience that not, it doesn't just match where they're at. It's a little, it's a tick ahead, right? It's, it's so, cause, cause again, you and I all like, every cliche in the book, like get out of your comfort zone and improve, or, you know, find that like second of courage to make the step. But it, it's really the reality of it is like, we don't get better at stuff by doing just the easy, comfortable, right? We get better by doing the stuff that challenges. And you know, that better than anybody, 25 years in the Marines, that wasn't a cakewalk. <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to assume that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, and I'll be real quick with that adversity, adversity, you know, builds character. And that, that is, that is, that I'll, I'll just leave it at that. And and it, and it, and the adversity breeds confidence to handle the next adverse moment. Absolutely. Right. How, you know, how do you build that confidence? Well, you know what, if we, you know, as facilitators tell every participant, Oh, every, everything you did was perfect. You just nailed, you just did that activity in a record time. It's not realistic. If we don't provide some sort of conflict, some sort of challenge, some sort of struggle, and then the right amount of support, to help them cross that finish line we're all we're going to be doing is trying to catch leadership and we're not teaching a, a darn thing about it so ron let's keep in power hey let's keep, in power let's keep it that. going and i would say right now my challenge to anybody listening right there know where the group is at boil that water a little bit and then be that supportive presence to help them get to the finish line you will find students adults alike discovering those skills that allow them to lead and handle adversity because they're going to face it in the real world. Hey, Ron, another episode in the books. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll catch you next month with another hot topic about leadership and leading with empower. Thanks for checking us out. See you soon. Great leadership may look and sound different. However, there are common threads that connect all tremendous leaders. They are passionate about those that they lead They do that which brings out their best and the best in those around them. And they never take the easy way out because the exceptional will never come from easy.